Hey everybody, Ben here. Just dropping another bonus episode into the feed here. This is the audio rip of a YouTube live stream that I did uh, day before yesterday about a single stage uh, from a match that I shot on Saturday. And it just ends up being a really interesting breakdown on looking at, at different ways to look at hit factor math and just the, the different approaches that you can take to a, a stage with disappearing targets. The numbers come kind of fast and loose at some points. Uh, so if you want to watch the video, there's a you can there's a spreadsheet I'm talking about where you can see all the numbers plotted out. Um, but I try and narrate things fairly well. So if you if you just want to get the gist of it, uh, you know you can listen for for just the numbers. But I'll drop the link to the YouTube video in the episode show notes for this episode, and you can take a look at it there and uh, give it a listen or, you know, not if it, if it loses you, no worries. Just figured it didn't hurt to drop it into the feed. So talk to you guys next time. All right, folks. Um, it's going to be an interesting little bit of a, a different stream this time. This is, this is going to be entirely about one particular stage, but not even really this particular stage. Uh, I just thought this stage turned out to be a really interesting illustration of hit factor and hit factor math and and just how it all how it all shakes out and what what you what it what the implications of it are. Now, I personally happen to find this kind of math interesting. I find it kind of fun to to work out these spreadsheets um, and and just work out not so much the spreadsheets but the scenarios. You know, I was doing stuff on my calculator app. <clears throat> on the on the range yesterday while we were shooting this stage uh, more out of curiosity just to kind of test my understanding of, of hit factor math but I I will say upfront I don't think that you need to understand hit factor at this level to be competitive but what I wanted to cover with this really is just the implications of some of the hit factor math and for the most part how in a lot of cases you can actually boil down, the math into a few rules of thumb. And so hopefully going through that uh, with some actual worked math examples, we'll be able to sort of take something away and, and make make sort of a working rule of thumb representation for your matches. Uh, so you don't actually have to do this or, or whip out a calculator or, or try to uh, figure out these things on the range. But I thought it was uh, an interesting example to work through in a number of scenarios here. And we'll work through this whole spreadsheet and what each one means in due time. So to start out with, this was a this was a stage from the uh, Sir Walter USPSA match yesterday uh, at Sir Walter Gun Club in Creedmoor, North Carolina. And one other thing that I that I want to say as a sort of disclaimer for this video is I do not think that this is objectively a good stage. Uh, I think this stage is actually a bit of a gimmick. Um, I think it was fun. Like everybody had a blast. For a level one match, I think it was great uh, because it was fun. It was different. And the the reason I say it's a gimmick is I think there is a there would be a significant advantage. Let's say there were this was a stage at a at a major match. There would be a significant advantage to getting to shoot it last than first by getting to see a couple other shooters run through it and uh, and and see how it shook out for them. The exact timing of the movers, how fast the big poppers fall. Uh, you would actually have a significant advantage, I think, uh, shooting later if other shooters had shot it first, um, which I think makes it a bad stage. I think part of competitive equity is, in general, as much as possible, 
com- uh, competitors should be able to tell before they shoot the stage without really needing to see too many other competitors run it uh, how they how they should run it now this obviously isn't uh, isn't always true sometimes you know anytime you have movers there's going to be some timing differences uh, but i think this one basically the whole stage hinges on tenths of a second uh, of the timing differences and otherwise it just it isn't um it isn't worth it isn't that interesting of a stage i thought it was great for level one it kind of everybody got to, to talk about it and also, I mean, these these props are pretty reliable. These runners are pretty reliable, but but still, just this this would not make sense as a level two, level three nationals type stage. Uh, but for for being a level one stage, I thought it was fun. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I don't think it's a particularly good test of shooting ability, um, but again, it was fun. So so I don't want that to come across as criticism, but I also don't want this to seem like oh, I'm spending all this time talking about it. So this is the pinnacle of what USPSA should be. No, not at all. But I think the math at play here might help illustrate some of the more mysterious aspects of how hit factor works out uh, in reality. So all that preamble out of the way, the basic idea of this uh, of this stage, you had a little square shooting area and you could start anywhere in the shooting area. And what you could see from that shooting area ahead of you, you can see there's one full size popper peeking out uh, around this barrel that activates a runner, which is a target that comes on this straight track coming from downrange straight towards you uprange. Uh, There's a right-hand popper and a left-hand popper. And you can't, if you start seeing one, you can't see the other. Basically, you have to move four, five, six feet across the the shooting area uh, to to see both of them. Um, Actually, if we switch to first-person video, this probably gives you a better idea. So that's, that's where I start shoot that guy, and then you can see the other one, and then you can see this runner is coming here, uh, and then the other runner comes here, because the right popper activates the left runner, left popper activates the right runner. Uh, And so, actually make this a little bit bigger. Um, And so basically, here's, here's what the stage looked like. So eight round stage, only worth 40 match points. So even at the end of the day, you know, how, how much does, uh, does the stage really turn the outcome of a match? Not very much, but again, for a level one match, it was, it was fun. I mean, people are going to be talking about this stage. It was, it was something different. Um, and, uh, and the nice thing about these runners is, is they do run pretty consistently. Uh, so they, they, they have enough force. They got a big old spring that pushes them. And so they're, they're, they're pretty consistent in, in how fast they run and, and being pretty reliable. Uh, so here's the third person view. Just to give you another idea. Okay, yeah, 476. You can see my final time on the timer there. So what makes this stage so interesting from a math standpoint is the is the fact that it was it was a an eight round stage, but you could basically choose how many rounds you wanted to shoot. Uh, because the, the two movers, since you can't shoot them at rest, they are no penalty mics. And so what that lets you do is, is choose, do you want to shoot four shots, six shots, or eight shots? Basically, do you want to plan to shoot uh, the two poppers and then the static paper? Do you want to shoot this uh, just one runner, which some people did, or do you want to shoot both runners or neither? All three plans were run. And what was interesting to me is 
making one of the subtle arts of of USPSA stage design is actually making disappearing targets uh, worth shooting, but not so obviously worth shooting that nobody would skip them. So this is, walking up to this, I thought, well, you know, it's probably a pretty safe plan if you just shot four rounds. It's not enough, it's not a complete slam dunk, obviously better to, to shoot the movers. Now, there will be stages where you have a, a disappearing target, but it's a, it's a full-size open target at five or 10 yards, in which case you can pretty easily get two alphas on that target in, assuming you don't have to you know, move to a new position to get to it, uh, you can pretty easily get to that target and, and shoot it in, say, get two alphas in, say, with 30 splits in 0.6 of a second, you know, so you transition to it and then a 30 split, and then you go on with the rest of the stage. So two alphas in, in 0.6 seconds, is I mean that's that's pretty darn high. That's really worth it. That's almost always going to be worth it. Um. So I guess as an as a to support that. So the idea of hit factor again. Everybody may or may not know this. So I, f I figure it's worth covering. So the formula for hit factor. Um. So this right here was was my actual run. The formula for hit factor is the points shot divided by your time. <clears throat> And that gives you an arbitrary number. Um, minor diversion here. This number is totally meaningless outside of context, right? A 714 hit factor on many stages would be quite good, but on this stage was was not particularly great. It was okay. It was like 90% of the stage win, but uh, but treating hit factor as an objective measure is like treating lap times around a racetrack as an objective measure. There are certain tracks where a one minute, 20 second lap time would be great. And there are certain tracks where that would be terrible. You just, you can't, you can't tell. It's, it all has to do with the individual course of fire. It has to do with the individual racetrack. So um, hit factor is not, even though it, it, it gives this number that seems apples to apples comparable. Oh, I got a six hit factor on the last stage and a seven hit factor on this stage. You, you, that, that doesn't mean anything. It's, 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 it is, they're not apples to apples comparable. Okay. Uh, so in, in my particular run, actually, let me, let me add a column here, um, just to add a little bit of context. So in, in my run, I got, uh, one Charlie and one Delta. Uh, it ended up being one, it ended up being the second shot. Actually, it was the first shot over here. Um, so basically as the, as the runner came out, I actually over transitioned to the leading edge and shot a, a Delta low left here and then an alpha in the middle and then the other runner i was uh, i had a charlie so it was alpha charlie so in minor uh, a charlie and generally speaking again if you're computing hit factors though the, it's easier to do hit factors uh subtracting than adding up from zero uh so if you just think about this is an eight round stage so eight rounds each hit is worth five so eight times five is 40. 40 is the, the maximum number of points available on the stage. A Charlie takes away two of them in minor. Uh, a Delta takes away four. So I'm down six points. So 40 minus six is 34. If you're just trying to do this math uh, on the fly, I'm trying to do six times five is 30 plus three times one is 33 plus, you know, no, it's not worth it. Calculate the max points and then subtract the, the, the penalties uh, for the non-alpha hits. It's just easier that way. Uh, so what you end up with is 34 points, which 
yeah, I, I was in retrospect, and we'll get to that later, that, that delta actually hurt me a fair amount. But basically, so I had 34 points. As you saw in the timer, my time was 476. And so my hit factor, my actual scored match run for this was uh, 714. And I mean, I you know, th there's not really much you can make of that number, but that's sort of where we'll where we will start the discussion. And the idea is hit factor is a measure if you look at it. So it is the number of points you shot divided by your time. It is a measure of points per second in the same way that the speed of your car is a measurement of miles per hour. It is the number of miles you travel in a given hour. Across this entire stage, for every second, I was earning 7.14 points, 714. That's, that's what hit factor means. So it means I was accruing points at a rate of 7.14. And the reason that might be a useful way to think about hit factor is that, to go back to our example a minute ago of a disappearing target where you can get 10 points in 0.6 of a second. Uh, oops. So if we if we just divide... So effectively, shooting that disappearing target, you're shooting at a rate of 16, of a 16 hit factor. And so that hit factor will obviously average up the rest of your hit factor of the stage. It would only, to put it another way, it would only not be worth it to shoot a target where you could get two alphas in 0.6 seconds it would only be worth it to shoot a target like that if your hit factor for the stage was already above 16, which, which obviously is nonsense. Uh, so the, the way to think about it is if something can average up your hit factor, if taking or not taking an action can move your hit factor from an expected level. So if you're saying, eh, this looks like about a seven hit factor stage, well, then, then you can say on the flip side, so let's say it is a seven hit factor, uh, seven hit factor stage, and you're trying to figure out how much is it worth to uh, to get two alphas. You know, let's say there is a, a, a completely optional target. The question is, how many seconds is it worth to get those ten points? And so, in that case, you would you would just divide it the other way. So seven means you're getting ten. A seven hit factor means you're getting seven points per second. And so, to get ten points divided by seven, whoops. No, oh, need to. <laughs> no, shoot, stop, 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 stop. So ten points at seven. That is not what. Hang on. Okay, I don't know. I don't know what. Uh, this thing is doing, but I'm just going to use the calculator app on my phone. <laughs> you can do this math too, uh, but 10 divided by 7 is 1.4 seconds. So the idea is a a, uh, a target in a 7-hit factor stage would be worth it if you could get two alphas on it in 1.4 seconds or less, which is pretty reasonable uh, if you just have to transition to it, but it's not worth adding another position. So again, you don't necessarily have to be able to, to calculate this math as you go, but just having some of these general principles, some of these rules of thumb uh, to say whether or not something is worth it uh, on the fly is, uh, is is generally a good thing. Oh, great. And now all of my... Now all of my... Uh, 
formulas aren't working. Let me just try reloading this page because this is going to be kind of awkward without those. Okay, there we go. Now we're back. Okay, so, so back to this stage. So the idea is what would happen? What would the hit factor be if all you did was just draw, shoot the two poppers and the paper and stop? And what's cool is we had a couple of people run this plan and, and we can look at their hit factor and, and see what it would have been. And so, for example, uh, this is a shooter on my squad who, who took that plan. So he's got 20 points here. Uh, so, you know, his hits were four alpha, four no penalty Mike. Because he didn't, he didn't even shoot at the runners. He just let him go. Uh, but he did it in 267. And so that got him a 7-4 hit factor. Basically 7-5 if we round up. Uh, that's a pretty good hit factor. That that is a that would be a safe run uh, if you were just to not you know if you were walking up to a stage like this and you weren't sure um, you could say I'm just going to take the safe thing and get the points I know I can get. So not a not a bad plan, but not the one that I would generally recommend in favor of. Um, I hopefully we'll get to why by the end of this. But but my general rule of thumb is unless I know that the no penalty mics are not worth shooting at unless it's so i put the burden of proof on skipping the targets uh, by default i i tend to shoot everything um but it can't always be it, that that's not a universal it's just a rule of thumb um and then down here we actually have and we'll, we'll talk through each of these examples this is actually uh, an open shooter who took the same plan he ended up taking one charlie uh but in open he shot it in 236 so he was about three tenths faster uh, then, then this guy was shooting in limited. Uh, but again, you know, open, you've got the dot. He, he moves a little more aggressively. Uh, so he had an 805 hit factor. So, so it was not a bad option to just shoot the front four. But what I find really interesting is what, um, what happens if you actually look at the, the, the different choices that you can make along the way. So the short version is, your theoretical highest hit factor uh, is actually to shoot all the targets, which tells you that in this in this particular scenario, the movers were actually very, very closely balanced uh, to being worth it or not worth it, which is actually very hard to do, especially at a club match level. They, I mean, they set up the runners. I don't think they really tweaked them or gave them any test runs. Uh, as far as I know, nobody actually like ran it through and shot it on the timer to see if, you know, both ways to see if it was close. Um, but it ended up being very, very close. Um, so if we look at the a couple scenarios here, so if I had stopped on my run, if I had stopped after the first two shots, uh, I would have had a seven four six hit factor. Uh, so it would have been twenty points in two point six eight roughly. The, these times are just pulled from the video, so they're they're not exact, but they're close enough for for our discussion. Uh, so I would have had twenty points in two point six eight, which is seven a seven four six hit factor, which you might note down here is actually better than what I ended up racking up. And the reason that's that's better than what I ended up racking up is because I shot that delta. That delta really hurt me a fair amount. Um, so so this is my actual run with the delta shooting all eight shots, 714 hit factor. Uh, if, I, if all I'd done was shot the first runner with the points that I did get, so alpha delta, that would have actually brought my hit factor down from that 746 to a 722. So you can think of that, again, using this sort of miles per hour example, you can think of that as for the first part of the stage, I was going at a 7.46 pace, 
And because I shot that delta, that actually lowered my pace down to a, a 722. Now, if that delta had been a Charlie, uh, it, then the hit factor for shooting the extra two shots would have gone from a 746 to a 778. So I would have gotten 28 points in 3.6 seconds, which is what my second shot on the first runner would have been. And then the the uh, the, the hit factor would have been going up. So instead of being at basically 7.5, I would be going up to a 7.8. And then if I had shot the the, the third target with the Alpha Charlie. In, in either scenario, basically the, the, the second runner was a wash for me. It didn't it didn't significantly bring up my hit factor. And even if I'd shot the, the Charlie or the Delta, it didn't significantly bring it down. So again, what's interesting about this is the fact that that each runner was almost ended up being almost perfectly balanced to be either worth it or not worth it. Now that said, in a perfect scenario, if you are actually trying to look at this stage and say, what is the theoretical maximum number of points you could uh, you could have actually gotten? The theoretical maximum number of points was actually to shoot all eight shots. And I think I can I can show that in two examples. One is, so these are these are the examples. So I used my time, but I assumed that I got all alphas on every target, which is not a given. That's not a gimme. I mean, I, I put a lot of emphasis on points, but... Uh, a stage like this where the first time you get to see the runners is from from inside the shooting area the first time you get to see the exact timing is when you're running it it's a pretty it's a pretty stiff challenge i mean you can see um loading it down there i mean you can see i'm actually the the timing i was a little bit sluggish moving across here oops to shoot the second popper uh and so i'm actually shooting the second popper about the time that the uh that the second runner comes out so I'm about to shoot him, and bang, there he is. So I actually ended up over-transitioning over a little bit, which led to that delta. Um, and you can actually see my uh, the, the, the front sight is almost on that delta where I break that, that first shot. So all that to say, two alphas on this is, is definitely not a gimme. But, uh, but if, if you'd been able to shoot all alphas on this, just taking my times as relatively representative for someone shooting production... Um, you actually, the best hit factor would have been this 8.4 for shooting all alphas. So if you, because there were there were so many more points available, once you'd drawn the gun and, and stepped in and moved, if you could just stand there and just crank out alphas, you would actually be bringing your hit factor up. Now, again, what's interesting here is the second runner isn't a huge difference. It's pretty minor, 8.33, 8.4. That's, that's pretty small potatoes because you had to wait almost a full second to get those those extra two alphas. But either way you slice it, if you were actually shooting alphas, the 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 score was always going to be better the more shots you you were able to put on the target. And so this actually turned out to be an example of a of an extremely well-balanced uh test where almost any way you slice it, shooting at the targets was was worth it or not worth it. It it wasn't it wasn't an obvious slam dunk either way. Um and again, so these these are three actual match runs from three guys. Me, uh Beaker who who designed some stages for Sir Walter, uh, and then another guy on our squad that that we we were all kind of racing up against each other. And so uh this guy shot, like I said, just the first four. He got a seven four nine hit factor. Uh, Beaker shot one runner, but not the other, and had one Charlie, so he had 28 points in 
in 3.74. So again, it was about an extra second to shoot that, to shoot the first runner. And they were literally within a hundredth of a hit factor of each other, which I thought was a pretty interesting example. And then if you ignore my my delta, if you if you call that a Charlie, which I think mathematically is, is relevant, the, the delta was more of an execution flaw, but I think saying uh, shooting each runner alpha Charlie is a very realistic scenario. So that would give me 36 points in 476. It would have been 756. Very, very slight edge. And so all three were basically in the same ballpark, which I thought was was pretty interesting. Uh, and then this is this is some math from a couple of open shooters. And here again, you can see uh, this first guy shot it uh, with good points. He shot one Charlie, but he shot all the all the shots. He shot all eight shots. So he shot one Charlie in 469, which this is not this is not super uncommon. And on a stage like this, you're actually not going to see that much of a difference in the times between different divisions. So the fact that he was only slightly faster than a than a guy shooting production is, I mean, that's just, I mean, it it's just the way the way things go. Um, when when the speed of the match or the speed of the stage is being dictated by the targets moving at you, how fast you can run the trigger and recover the gun doesn't doesn't end up mattering that much, which is a good thing to know if you need to make a decision like this based on the data from someone in, in another division. But anyway, uh, so he shot all the targets. He took one Charlie, and th- these uh, these three are all shooting open, so they're they're scored major. So he had one Charlie, took one point away, so he was at an eight thirty two, and he ended up winning this stage in open. Uh, but right below him was someone who only shot the front four. Now he he got Alpha Charlie on the the middle target, but again he was he was he shot it he shot those four shots in two thirty six. So the the difference in the hit factor was less than than ten percent. So it wasn't a, a huge slam dunk. But but in this example, it does seem like shooting more shots, especially well shooting more shots was worth it. And I think especially in the faster divisions, I think in in divisions like open and PCC where you're going to get really high or really low raw times, the points actually start to start to, to separate things a little bit more, which I think is pretty interesting. Uh, and then the, the guy that took third on the stage had roughly the same time. He was actually a 10th faster. So he shot all, uh, he shot all four targets or all five targets, I guess. Yeah. Three, three paper, two steel. He shot all the targets. He shot both runners. Uh, he was about a 10th faster, but he dropped for either four Charlies or I think a Charlie and a Delta, something like that. But he 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 was down four points, and uh and so even though he was a tenth faster, being down ten percent of the points because there are so few points available, um hurt him not hugely. He was still in the running, but it but it was uh the, the points really made the difference. If you were going to go for for both runners, you really needed to get good points on them. Otherwise, just shoot the front four and, and call it a day. So from a competitor standpoint, I think that's that's really all the all the data that I have here, which is to say, you know, the Delta, I mean, obviously really hurt me quite a bit. If I'd shot a one alpha, one Charlie on each of the runners, it definitely would have been as good to shoot the uh, each runner as as to skip them. So basically, to put it another way, shooting each runner at alpha Charlie was basically a wash with not shooting them at all. But the theoretical maximum, the theoretical best score that I could have gotten on that stage, assuming time is held constant, uh, would have been shooting two alphas, which actually would have been a significantly better score. Again, on stages with very few points, each alpha really counts. It really matters. Um, a few other things, just talking about the, the the setup of this stage. Now, one thing that that we talked about a fair amount on the 
on the on the range was what the what the actual setup how the how the setup could have changed this um so for me i in my i don't know in my worldview i feel like moving targets like this the bias should be in favor of making it worth shooting the movers um I just personally, I don't know, if you're going to set up the movers, I think it you should set up the stage in a way that you are taking, it's not obviously a safe plan not to shoot them. That, that you know, you're, you're, you're taking it safe, but you're giving up a lot of options for points. And so uh, an example of that would be on a stage like this, the, the, the way it breaks down basically is... The, you have to shoot the first four shots, the, the two paper or the, the two poppers and the, and the paper. So that is, that's the required block of the stage. That, that's what pretty much everybody's going to have to do. Nobody, I mean, I, I could look at it. I mean, nobody shot the stage in less than, than 236, um, probably. I mean, in that, in that neighborhood, nobody shot it under two, right? You, you couldn't just say, shoot the paper in the middle and then call it done. You'd take missed penalties on the, on the steel that, that was available. And so the, the way that you would do something like that, the way you might, you might, yeah. Um, so one way that, yeah, that, that I um, thought about, sorry, I just saw a comment come through. We'll talk about that. Um, so, you know, one way that, that you could do this is, and a lot of people don't like these, but you could start in some way that would slow the shooter down and just add a second or two to the clock before they, they shot the first target. So it could be opening a door. It could be starting with your gun on a barrel, uh, potentially unloaded. So I think, you know, if this if this stage was gun on barrel unloaded and it added, let's say, two seconds, three seconds to pick up the gun, stick a mag in and rack it, then obviously shooting at the movers becomes much more worthwhile. The um the 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 idea there being by by lowering the hit factor, by by making the time a little bit larger, not overwhelmingly large, not start on the other side of the bay, run 10 seconds across the bay, you know, foot speed determines the outcome of the stage more than shooting. No, not talking about that, but by just adding a little bit of complication, even something like starting outside the shooting area, you know, where as it was, you you started inside the shooting area, wherever you wanted, you know, just adding a couple of steps, not even necessarily picking up the gun, but just a couple of steps to come into position uh, would could have made the stage so that the the first half took a little bit longer, making the second half more worthwhile because the points available per second were actually higher if you went for them while the runners were moving. So a lot of times when you're when you're designing a stage like this, those are those are some of the levers that are an option there. You know, the the idea in in stage design of what what is what is each individual target doing to the overall hit factor of the stage. What is what is each target? What is each array? What is each part of the stage doing? Is it bringing up the hit factor or dragging it down? Anything that, that brings down the hit factor is going to reward accuracy more. Anything that brings the hit factor up, generally speaking, people are going to like. It's going to be a crowd pleaser. People like hosing close targets for the most part. Um, you know, serious competitors often find it somewhat boring. Uh, but but in general, you'll get a lot of compliments on a, you know, if you if you throw a stage in your match that has a 10 or a 12 hit factor, everybody's going to talk about how much fun it was. Um, but you'll also see not that much, not that much difference between competitors, because there just there isn't that much room to separate yourselves. But anyway, um, anytime, you know, let's say you've got a, a, a set of targets, a bank of of close hoser targets, you're going to be drawing the hit factor for the entire stage up. You know, it's a bit like a, well, no, it's a bad metaphor, so I'm not going to use it. But the idea is is you're giving away points 
basically with very little effort. And so it makes any effort spent getting the points elsewhere in the stage somewhat less worthwhile. Now, I don't think that's that, that, that principle isn't necessarily relevant here, but the idea that you can actually add an element to a stage, like opening a door, stepping into the shooting area, picking up your gun, that would that would make certain choices, certain trade-offs in the stage more or less worthwhile, I think is something that the really good stage designers uh, incorporate and take into account. Um, and Beaker, who, I don't know if you can tell me in the in the chat if you actually designed this or set it up, but I, I know he was involved on, on setup day. He's saying we could have extended the shooting area and made the runners available at the back of the stage. I actually am not in love with that idea for the reason that at that point, by, if they were visible at the end, that again takes away an option. It, it makes it, if they're not, if they become penalty mics, if you take away the option for no penalty mics, then I think you basically have to shoot at them. You basically, at that point, it's blast two and hope they're, they're somewhere on the cardboard uh, because you the, 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 the penalty for a mic is, at that point, I think too severe. Um, and so I think having these set up in a way that they disappear is interesting. It does actually add value. I think having having non-penalty mics uh, in the match in a way that that they actually challenge the competitor to sort of make their bet, right? It's a bit like a poker hand. You, you have to walk up with a stage strategy that you think for you, for your shooting ability, for your division, blah, 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 that, that you actually can, can make work. And you have to do that based on some amount of data that you have. But in, in a certain way, you're making a wager. You're saying, I think this is going to give me the best score. And I think no penalty mics are actually a, a, a totally valid way to do that and to test that that uh, that self-knowledge of the competitor. And so I, I, I like the idea of the runners going by and then disappearing. And so if you want to skip them, they you don't take any penalties. Uh, but I, I think to me... The, the thing that would have taken this from being basically a wash between shooting the runners and not shooting the runners would have been, like I say, uh, something as simple as a start start position. You know, if you started two steps behind where you could see all the poppers and you just had to, to step in and it just took, took another, you know, second, second and a half to, to get into position to see all the all the front shots, it would have made the runners a little bit more, more interesting. And again, this is not meant as criticism. I, the... Like I said, this is a club match. The stage was set up. Nobody, nobody tested it. It was it, it ran the way it was. But if you're in a scenario where you're setting up a stage like this and you're trying to balance the trade-offs to, to make it interesting for competitors to choose A or B, where it's not obviously better to, to go one route or another, these are the kinds of tools at your at your disposal. And I mean, I think in general, I think the start position is actually the most underappreciated uh, tool in in stage design. But you know, that's that's a topic for another time. But I think for something as simple as nailing, I mean, we use we use little steel X's uh, that we just stake into the ground. But you know, obviously, you can have it be you know touching some X's on a wall or, or whatever it is. But having a very <clears throat> well calibrated start position that makes multiple stage plans all viable that's way more interesting than what is in theory a more you know freestyle start position of start anywhere outside the shooting area, start anywhere inside the shooting area because. People are just going to start all the way at one side of the shooting area, or all the way at the back, or all the way at the front, or you know, it's it's going to be, it's going to make the stage very one dimensional. Whereas if you can pick a very well calibrated start position that actually encourages people to you know either go back and forth or take a long run instead of a short one, you can get so much value without building any additional walls, no more target stands, no more barrels, a really goodly, good goodly, 
a really well positioned, uh, really well chosen start position can actually, I think, make or break uh, a, a good stage or a bad stage. So anyway, that, that's just how you know if you if if these stage designers you know had sat there for hours and sort of really tried to, to game this out, that that's how the they, they could have tweaked this. But I thought it was just interesting. The more I looked at the scores from the stage, and the more I saw this pattern of of you know someone shooting the front four and getting a pretty good hit factor, and someone shooting or just yeah shooting the front four shots, and then someone shooting both runners and, and getting a slightly better hit factor. It was just interesting to sort of keep seeing that that scenario reoccurring, and and this just turned out to be, I think, a really interesting example of of a stage that, I mean, I think it's fair to say, basically on accident, ended up being exquisitely balanced to the point where there was just a slight, you know, let's say five or ten percent advantage uh, to going towards the uh, going for the movers, but with the risk that you could also say do what I did, uh, where to go, yeah, and shoot a delta and actually you know bring your hit factor down. You know, if I if 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 at the if at the end of the stage I could have gone back and and sort of cut off the the scores at any given point, strategically I actually would have been better off saying, uh, let's just ignore those those last two shots. You keep the points, but you also keep the time. Uh, you know, let me let me just keep my seven four six from from shooting the front half of the stage, uh, because I went for the the runners and by getting that delta, uh, that just ended up costing me you know basically the any any value that going for the runners would have uh, would have granted me. If it had been a Charlie, or obviously if I'd gotten even more alphas, then at that point it, it starts to be more worth it. But yeah, I don't know. That's uh, I just thought it was a, an interesting example of of where the math of the, of hit factors comes into play. So there you go, guys. Hope this was interesting. <laughs>